The medical information communicated in this podcast is of a general educational nature. If you are feeling unwell, please seek the attention of a medical practitioner. Any advertisements promoted throughout the podcast are not endorsed by the presenter or any of the guests interviewed. Hi there, welcome to MediTalk, a medical podcast talking all things medical in a way that you can understand. You're with Danae. Often most of us take our fertility for granted until sadly we try for a baby and experience difficulties. So today on MediTalk we are speaking with Dr Michael Gannon about fertility. Dr Gannon is the Head of Department of Obstetrics and Gynaecology at St John of God Hospital in Subiaco. Well, certainly it's a very distressing problem for couples when they find they can't fall pregnant, but uh, they're not alone. Maybe as many as one in six couples won't conceive within a year. Uh, And if you haven't conceived in 12 months of trying, uh, that's called infertility. Uh, And um, some of those patients will need to be referred to gynaecologists to help them fall pregnant. When is the time that they should be seeking a help of a specialist? That's a really good question. Uh, and another good question is, you know, who should they see? Yes. Um, but uh, I think it's really important that uh, that women um, have a GP who they trust and have regular conversations with their, with their GP. Uh, and that already happens. Um, uh, most women will have conversations with their GP about contraception. Uh, and implicit in any conversation about contraception would be Um, future reproductive desires um, Mm. um, because the contraceptive choices that are made uh, might impact on your ability to to have a child. Um, uh, Perhaps one of the simplest examples is Mm. the, um, if you have brilliant, effective contraception, um, that might work uh, uh, well into uh, the the second half of your reproductive uh, lifetime when it might actually be harder for you to conceive. So that means, so in terms of if you make a decision and you've been on contraception and you say, actually, now we would like to try for a child, how long does it sometimes take women to have a baby and conceive? Hmm. So you'd expect a reasonable proportion of couples to conceive the first cycle they try, um, maybe as many as 15%. And you might expect another 15% to conceive the second cycle. So for, for most um, healthy couples, um, mm. um, uh, they will find it relatively easy to conceive. Um, but that hit rate, if you like, the proportion of people that conceive every month after that diminishes. Mm. Uh, and by the time you get to, um, to 12 months, you've got uh, uh, between 10 and 15% of, uh, of couples that won't have had a baby mm. um, uh, or won't have fallen pregnant. Um, and... Uh, we need to, at that point in time, um, focus on the uh, the female factors, uh, the male factors. Uh, often in cases of infertility, there are issues with, with both halves of the couple. Okay. So they've seen their GP, they've they've gone the natural way in terms of, and, and, it's, and they're not conceiving. What type of specialist would they go and see? You know, would they ask for a referral to someone like yourself or an IVF specialist or who, what sort of avenue should they take when they, they do want to seek out specialist help? I love telling my patients how, um, how, uh, how elegant and how sophisticated female reproduction is. Um, is it? It is. <laughs> because in reality, there are factors in the hypothalamus in the brain, uh, in the pituitary gland at the base of the brain, and then there are factors within the ovary. That's before you get anywhere near the womb or any other factors. So uh, it's quite complex. Yeah. So there's there's a great 
elegant complexity to female reproduction. Mm. Male reproduction is a lot simpler. Um, the, the human male makes sperm 24 hours a day, seven days a week, from the age of 15 to the age of 75 and beyond. Mm -hmm. um, so although there is often a male factor in infertility, um, uh, the reality is that, uh, that most couples trying to conceive, the first port of call will be, um, uh, for, if, if a GP um, can't work it out, mm. uh, will be to a gynaecologist. Okay. And in terms of people's f fertility, is it genetic? Because you do hear of women that might say, oh, I just merely have to look at a baby and I have a child. You know, is there a genetic component to people's fertility? There's a genetic component to every aspect of human physiology and, and every aspect of, uh, um, of human pathophysiology. Um, so, for example, uh, there are people that will have heard of conditions like endometriosis, which mm. is associated with infertility, and there's a genetic element to endometriosis. They might have heard of polycystic ovary syndrome. There's a genetic element to that condition, also known as, as PCOS. Mm. So there are certainly uh, genetic factors at play, and it's always interesting as a doctor hearing from women about their sisters and hearing about their mothers. Um, um, but there is, um, but most things don't relate uh, directly to genetics. Okay. And so if they have had those um, disorders that may affect their fertility, what should they do about it? Can those people still get pregnant? Uh, well, the, most women who have had a diagnosis of endometriosis made um, are, are fertile. Mm -hmm. um, and most women who um, who have a degree of endometriosis don't know they've got it. Right. Um, most women uh, with PCOS um, are fertile. Many women with the condition simply don't know they have it. Um, um, so, for example, uh, polycystic ovary syndrome is a condition where ovulation is um, is infrequent, usually, rather than completely absent. Um, so you can imagine if you're ovulating 13 times per year, you've got a lot more chance of conceiving than if you ovulate three times per year. Yes. Um, and one of the realities with it, with our busy lifestyles and, and especially here in Western Australia is that we've got a higher proportion of people who have fly-in, fly-out mm. um, uh, occupations. Um, so if you're in a couple uh, where you ovulate three times per year mm. um, and you are in a job where you are um, on a uh, seven-day-on, seven-day-off swing, mm. you might have one or two chances a year to conceive. Um, so that's where it gets difficult for some couples uh, uh, more than others. And so therefore, if they get treated, are they likely to... Um conceive? You know, what are there ways that you can help women conceive after being treated? So there are a lot of things that um, that uh, hopefully you know, women and men are aware of in terms of uh, things to uh, to optimise their general health and their reproductive health. Mm. Uh, and, there, um, um, and then there are instances where it's time to be uh, referred to a specialist. Um, uh, and there's always something that can be done. Um, uh, one of the questions that GPs will ask themselves is, mm. do I refer this patient to a 
to a general gynaecologist or do I refer to a fertility clinic? Yes. Um, and those those questions, like every other decision that GPs make every day, will be based on uh, what the patient wants uh, and carefully taking a history from the patient, examining the patient, perhaps ordering some basic tests mm. to try and work out uh, where the best place for that patient to start is. Okay. And in terms of what are some facts that we should know about fertility that maybe we don't? Well, I think uh, one thing that I've spent a lot of time uh, both talking to individual patients and, t and talking in other uh, public health fora is mm. uh, uh, the importance of understanding that uh, female reproductive potential does diminish with advancing age. Mm. Um, and the vast majority of, uh, of women who are struggling to conceive in, in their... Um, in their 30s or on their 40s have have no underlying um, major health problems um, um, but, but it's just their age it's just their age you know mm. and that and that manifests in reduced fertility in a number of ways um, one of the most common uh, and most obvious ways is in reduced frequency of ovulation mm. which you start to see in women in their early 30s but then quite dramatically the rate at which women ovulate diminishes after age 35. What about uh, stress? The stress that we put ourselves through maybe at work or just in life, is that can that affect our fertility? Well, there is no doubt that significant stress uh, reduces the rate at which women enjoy healthy ovulation. Mm. Um, um, it manifests itself uh, through through the hypothalamus, a, a, a part of the brain which exerts master control over all of our hormones in, in, mm. in our body. And it is, uh, um, uh, there, there is no question that for some people, um, significant stressors in their life uh, mm. will, um, will reduce the fertility rate. Um, um, having said that, there are people who are under enormous psychological stress. Uh, there are people who have um, significant family stressors or, um, or, trauma. or, or, or trauma uh, or, or, um, or openly diagnosed and perhaps untreated anxiety disorder mm. who will still be very much fertile. So it's definitely a factor, uh, but not an absolute one. What about the myths? Because us women like to believe sometimes myths. Mm. Um, what are some myths that you get asked by patients that would be good to sort of clear up for us all? Well, there are many, many, many myths in this, uh, in this fundamental um, area of medical science. I mean, mm. uh, human reproduction and human sexuality is fundamental to, to who we are. Yes. Um, so it's not uh, surprising that you'll, that you'll hear some, some absolute uh, mythology. Uh, like old wives' tales, if you do this, if you have sex this way, you definitely have a boy or a girl or... <laughs> Yeah, like we've heard them all. Yes. Uh, yeah, and um, you know, I think for a lot of those uh, myths, so like, uh, you know, for example, I, th I think if you um, uh, if you have intercourse um, the day before ovulation, that'll probably result in a male child or a female child about fifty percent of the time. Uh, oh, so, okay. Yeah. So, so the truth is that there are a lot of myths. Uh, yes. Um, um, but but some things um, aren't myths. Um, okay. Um, it it is it is uh, if you if women are having uh, regular healthy periods, then they're more likely to be uh, fertile. Mm. Um, um, but uh, I don't know that, that women get uh, a great deal of benefit um, 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 seeing alternative health practitioners to, uh, to, to oh, look yes. into to look into why things aren't going right. And because and, and, acupuncture, a lot of people, women go and have acupuncture and things like that for increasing their fertility. 
Yeah, the, the, look, the truth is with so many of their measures, there's just not much evidence. Uh, mm. and, and I think one thing that doctors feel very strongly about is that when, when you're giving advice to patients, there should be a, a science evidence base um, behind that. Um, mm. uh, uh, so, you know, but I think that that's a, a, a really good start uh, for yes. women thinking of trying a family is to start taking folic acid or folate. We know okay. that that's important for their health. And a very, very um, cost-effective measure is to start to track their cycles. Mm. And very simply... I think there's apps now that do that. There are. So, yeah. so very, very simply thinking about their fertility, um, buying a smartphone application which might be purchased for somewhere between 0 and $12, mm. uh, and a thermometer which can be very easily uh, purchased, you get a lot of an idea about, about your about your fertility, um, mm. and then that information will be useful to your GP if you do indeed have trouble conceiving. Yeah, so it's really getting in tune with your body. Really important, really yes. important. And, and so this is something that we'd like to see. I think we can always do better with health education of, of girls um, and, and young women because it will enable them to make the right family planning choices, uh, both at a time in their life where perhaps they don't ideally want to conceive mm. uh, and when they decide that uh, it's time to. So, so women being taught about the menstrual cycle um, yes. is, uh, is very healthy and very important. Absolutely. And in terms of what are some factors that can cause infertility? Well, the things which cause infertility can play out at, at, at any level. And at any the, time or age? Yeah, well, absolutely. So, yeah. so at, at any level of that, that complex interplay of different parts of the body I, I described. Um, mm. So we'll start at the top. We talked yes. about the brain. Uh, you mentioned um, stress. Um, mm. uh, there are certain drugs that can affect it, um, um, but, uh, but certainly factors in your life that affect uh, um, very primitive parts of your brain uh, will affect your fertility. Mm. Um, uh, problems with the pituitary gland, so problems with... Um, uh, with tumours of the pituitary gland uh, can upset things. Um, um, thyroid disease can upset things at the pituitary. Okay. Um, uh, and then we get down to the ovaries. So, for example, women who have had surgery on the ovaries might have mm. uh, less eggs in reserve. Um, uh, diabetes can, can affect um, uh, the rate at which uh, women ovulate. Uh, and diabetes is so common in the community now, isn't it? Well, it is. It's becoming more common uh, mm. in, in women of reproductive age. Uh, and certainly... Um, uh, this complex condition we don't fully understand called polycystic ovary syndrome or, or PCOS um, is related to diabetes and glucose intolerance. Okay. Uh, um, and that's one of the reasons why it's harder for overweight and obese women to conceive. Um, overweight and obese women are, are more likely, um, for reasons we don't fully understand, mm. to have a reduced frequency of ovulation. So anything which affects the ovary can affect um, how often it releases an egg. Mm. Uh, the next stage of normal reproduction is for, uh, for an egg and sperm to meet in the tubes. Mm. Um, so if the tubes um, are diseased, uh, then that can be a problem for, uh, for couples conceiving. Mm. Uh, in our community, the most common problem affecting the tubes is chlamydial infection. Um, oh, how common is that nowadays? Well, we worry about about chlamydial infection, and we even worry about the re-emergence of um, some some older infections where the rate is increasing, like like gonorrhea, uh, which also affects the tubes. Yeah. So these these aren't common, uh, and it's important that if uh, if women do have uh, uh, any abnormal symptoms, uh, 
uh, perhaps like pelvic pain or, or, or like vaginal discharge, that that's investigated early because we might be able to prevent damage to the tubes uh, mm. or to the womb itself. And, so to, and to definitely seek help from their GP. Absolutely, yeah. And I suppose the final step in fem female reproduction is is the womb, the uterus itself. So, so there can be problems inside the womb. Uh, mm. There's very common benign tumours called fibroids. Um, a small number of women without any knowledge will have abnormalities of, of uterine shape, etc., which mm. might make it harder for to conceive. Uh, those sort of specialised tests uh, uh, obviously require a referral from your GP um, or maybe only discovered after referral to a gynaecologist. Yes. And so what are your thoughts on freezing eggs? We do see instances, you know, sadly, where a, a reproductive age woman, for example, is diagnosed with a cancer and their specialist might say, Absolutely. look, do you want to freeze eggs before chemotherapy? But when we're talking about social egg freezing, um, mm. there is some science behind that. There, there, there is no question that there are likely to be fewer problems with a uh, with a 28-year-old egg than a than a 38-year-old egg. Mm. Um, it's a very expensive technique. Um, it is... Is it um, painful? Uh, well, basically, it involves having an IVF cycle. Um, so an IVF cycle where women are administered, where they have hopefully uh, an appropriate number of checks and tests done before the procedure started, and then they are given drugs to hyper-stimulate the ovaries, and then those eggs are collected with a fairly minor surgical procedure, which does require an anaesthetic. Um, it's not for everyone. Um, it is expensive, um, and... Um, uh, is it, it is, effective? Oh, well, it can be effective. Mm. Eggs, um, with modern techniques, eggs freeze a lot better than they used to. Um, but there is a level of wastage when it comes to thawing out those eggs. Um, and although this is a reasonable option, uh, perhaps for, uh, for wealthy women of substantial means, uh, it is a, a long way from something that we would ever recommend for, for society as a whole. So what are the fertility options out there? Uh, so there are a, a, a number of options. As, um, as I say, there are, there are a lot of things that GPs can do uh, mm. themselves uh, to to optimise the health um, of a woman. So, yeah, that should take a detailed history. I mean, are they overdoing it with physical exercise? Are, they, um, um, are, are, there, are there other things that they are doing that might be making it um, harder for them to conceive? Uh, there are other things that um, perhaps... They're not directly to do with fertility, but they're really important measures for GPs to take because the, the, the final journey is to, is to fall pregnant. So, yeah, we, we don't want women smoking tobacco. We, d we don't want them drinking um, a lot of alcohol. We don't want them using illicit drugs. We do want to optimise their medical conditions. Um, if they do have epilepsy or diabetes or Crohn's disease. Those conditions should be optimised prior to conceiving, not 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 after. Uh, women should be advised about appropriate supplements. Uh, uh, the most important of those being being folic acid. Um, GPs can do some very basic tests, like you know, to to rule out thyroid disease as a, as a cause of infrequent ovulation. And then ultimately, I, there's a small number of times that GPs will refer the couple to see a. Um, a, a male fertility specialist, so that's usually a urologist, but it's far more common for them to be referred to a gynaecologist. Um, if they have a history of, um, of endometriosis uh, uh, or if they have, th there might be factors in the history where a GP will recommend referral straight to uh, an IVF clinic and one of the gynaecologists who work within the, um, those clinics. But um, 
as a general gynaecologist myself, and, in, and indeed a general gynaecologist who doesn't work in an IVF clinic, um, uh, I see lots of patients uh, that can be well looked after without needing to uh, take on the uh, the the emotional roller coaster and the significant expense of, mm. if you like, enrolling in in that process. Um, yeah, that's true. Um, even then, there's a group of patients um, um, who uh, who will need that specialist assistance, but they don't necessarily need to go straight to IVF. Uh, one of the concerns that that many of us uh, in the industry have. Um, is the the emergence of of some new um, IVF models where where the the doctors and nurses in those clinics don't talk about um, safer, uh, uh, lower acuity um, options uh, like ovulation induction. Okay. So you, so that so there are there are some treatments offered by uh, fertility clinics uh, uh, in Perth. Uh, where um, there's things that can be done mm. to optimise the chances of conceiving, but they don't involve uh, a full IVF, which potentially makes them uh, uh, more affordable and potentially makes them safer. Yeah, so it's good to make sure that you've been offered all the varying options that might be available to you that you might just not know about. Absolutely. I mean, we, we are we are keenly conscious as doctors who work in this field that um, about how distressing a delay in conceiving uh, can be. Mm. Um, but um, but it's not always a great idea to to dive deep if you've only been trying to conceive for four months or eight months. Yeah. Uh, and um, and there are measures which. Um, uh, which uh, might be more effective, let alone more affordable or safer. So what are some things that we can do as women to empower ourselves that can improve our fertility? Well, being healthy and having a healthy lifestyle is far more likely to make you fertile. Um, so women who are in the uh, who are in the normal weight range, um, who have a a healthy diet, uh, who are finding time in their life uh, for for rest, for relaxation, for physical exercise, uh, are more likely to not only conceive, but they're more likely to have healthy pregnancies. Uh, that might sound a bit simple, and yet it's such a really important uh, um, health promotion message. Um, uh, and the other message, um, as inconvenient as it is for uh, for a lot of women who might not have coupled yet, um, mm. um, are the benefits of trying to start your family when you're younger. Yes. Um, not only is it easier to conceive when you when you try in your twenties, um, but you're more likely to have a healthy pregnancy. Uh, that pregnancy is less likely to be complicated by blood pressure problems or diabetes. Um, it is um, it is less likely that women will require a cesarean section to deliver their baby safely. Um, so there are there are advantages uh, where appropriate mm. um, for couples to to make that choice. Um, it's not for everyone, um, but it does make for um, for um, for a, a greater likelihood of spontaneously conceiving um, and for a healthier pregnancy outcome. Well, it's really important that once women are pregnant, that they get accurate information about the importance of um, of certain vitamins, uh, minerals, and micronutrients. Mm -hmm. uh, so, for you know, one of the things that we do talk to women about um, is iron, iron. Uh, iodine, uh, calcium. Um, uh, we sometimes talk about omega three fatty acids, but the the only evidence of benefit is in plain folate or folic acid. 
Um, so unfashionably, I might uh, recommend the uh, uh, the cheapest uh, uh, form of uh, plain uh, 0.5 milligrams daily mm-hmm. folic acid. Okay, great to know. And then make sure you've got lots of iron in all your foods and uh, just look for really good healthy veggies and and ways to pack in all the minerals and vitamins you were talking about. Uh, that's fabulous advice. I mean, uh, uh, many, many women um, start their pregnancy um, um, iron deficient or not mm-hmm. far off iron deficient, and uh, uh, and that's a product of of female physiology. Women lose iron every month with mm-hmm. with menstruation. Um, um, some of the women who start pregnancy with the healthiest iron stores are long term users of. Uh, um, uh, of the of the marina insert, which which uh, means they either have no periods or very light periods, or long term users of the combined oral contraceptive pill. Those women have often enjoyed no menstruation or light menstruation and have better iron stores. Uh, mm-hmm. um, but it's a really good thing to to look at to be looking for sources of um, iron um, rich food. Uh, lean red meat is by some distance the best form of iron, uh, but there are um, there are plenty other forms that uh, women can do their own research on. Fantastic. Thank you for your time today. It's been a pleasure. A big thank you to Dr Gannon for sharing his knowledge. And to learn more about Dr Gannon and St John of God Hospital Subiaco, visit sjog.org.au. If you feel this podcast episode can help a friend or a family member, please share as sharing knowledge empowers our lives and the lives of others. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please take a minute to write a quick review on Apple Podcasts. To listen to more episodes of Meditalk, visit meditalk.com.au and if you have any medical conditions you would like to learn more about, please send me an email via danae at meditalk.com.au. Stay well and thank you for listening.